Content of Straight Talk Wealth Radio is for educational purposes only. Any discussion of financial products and their features is subject to change without notice. Consult your own tax, legal, or financial advisor as to your specific situation. Tax Free Benefit Specialist and Insurance Services, California License 0E48147. Welcome to Straight Talk Wealth, heard every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. with your experts in all aspects of wealth accumulation, preservation, and income planning guaranteed to last a lifetime. And now, your host of Straight Talk Wealth, Bruce Whitey, on News Talk 1590, KVTA. Welcome to Straight Talk Wealth Radio. I'm your host, Bruce Whiting. We are on News Talk 1590, KVTA. And this is the show where we put together... Okay. This is the show where we put together what's happening in the global economy with what the heck you in the U.S. of A. and your 401k and your IRA should be doing about it all. Better make sure nothing happens to my goals. That's exactly the point. The global economy does affect you and your plans particularly if you are in that stage of life 15 years or closer to retirement or in retirement, uh, you've got some minefields to deal with. And, hey, if you already did buy gold at 1800 I'm, I'm sorry. We, we didn't necessarily recommend that. $6,000. It just cost me $6,000. Okay, well, then today we'll tell you what not to invest in. But, hey, we, I've been trying to get to this show for so long, and this just has been a – a huge topic. And every time I start researching a show, I have to cut and cut and cut and cut. And I'm always frantic. So I want to try to get right to it. But today, the name of today's show is There is a Crystal Ball. Japan and China and Asia's demographic cliff. We have been talking a lot about demographics on this show, and we are talking about contracting demographics and what that does to an economy and scratching in every, if you're following us, you should be scratching your head because how is it that we can shrink our population demand, shrink our consumption demand? The whole world is shrinking in consumption demand, and yet the stock market goes up to the sky. And we've been thinking, oh, well, it must be Asia. China is the big powerhouse. And yes, there is definitely... Definitely some dials to crank in China. However, when a government is centrally, centrally controlled and they discover that they can turn a few dials on their own, the whole world goes crazy. And I'm talking the central banks and the central governments turning dials to try to politically be in favor with people when perhaps some of these economies organically need to contract. And you're going to learn today that the opposite of turning the dial up, which basically means money printing or population manipulation, which is occurring in China, which all have their dead ends, they will succumb to what is demographics, the actual tendency of populations. How do you have an expanding economy and a contracting population? The only way you could do it is try to sell to the rest of the world. But if the rest of the world also has contraction, we're all in trouble. And how long can we print money and create more credit, private and public, that's never going to get paid off to somehow stave off the contraction of the global economy. Now, there are some good demographics out there. India has very few old people, lots of young people. They've got to move these people from uh, 
agrarian into uh, urban settings and get them more productive. And China is doing that, but China is about to embark on an experiment of massive proportions. And it is so it is so driven by the fact that they are central government that could put a gun to people's heads instead of real market influences that it is bound to fail and it will take the globe with us because it's one of the last engines that the globe is trying to sell to or get credit from. And when it goes down, there is no other oxygen left in this current environment unless we deleverage. But hey, I get ahead of myself. Straight Talk Wealth Radio, we are here every Sunday on uh, KVTA. We talk about global bubble economics. We talk about demographic basics, leveraging and deleveraging of economies versus trying to escape that by printing money, which is what central governments do. We talk about the conflict, the inherent opposition between Keynesian and Austrian economics. And what's really important is, why do I do this? Because I'm a baby boomer. I am also trying to retire in the next decade, like so many of you listeners either are at or approaching. And I'm scared to death about where stocks and funds and bonds are all going. And we got the short end of a stick. We are not going into our retirement with uh, you know, with easy money, with a, uh, you know, it looks okay right now. It looks okay because the central bankers and the government and the money printers have the upper hand for the moment. But inherently, I want to tell you the message of today is that shrinking global demographics will trump central bank manipulation in the not so long run. That is the moral of the story. Let's just get right to the moral first. Then I'll lay the story out. We've printed $2 trillion. We've got a paltry 2% growth and the economy still wants to falter. And it is because the global economy needs to deleverage from these demographic reversals and the global bankers and central governments think they can just turn a dial on a thermostat and heat back up economies. Where do you get the fuel for that? You get the fuel for it because it's all borrowed from each other. And in the end, it just sets up the next bubble burst to be 10 times bigger. And the experts that are laying this out all agree, and you're going to hear about it today, that it that happens well before the end of this decade. And that just so happens to be the time in which the greatest demographic retirement trend in the history of the world is trying to take place. And that is you, baby boomers. And you're going to be in the middle of that next bubble burst. And that's what I'm here to talk to you about today. Thanks, Chief. Now, listen, stay tuned. Somewhere in the next 10 to 15 minutes, I will announce our giveaway, which we do every week. We're giving away $60 worth of really, really good educational materials. Some of it I have authored. Some of it I brought in from other authors. All of it is excellent material to help you understand these demographic trends, why they are creating gravity in the global economy, uh, how long will it last that we can stave off these slings and arrows before they really hit, and what great, great advice on what you should be doing personally about it. We'll get to that in a little bit. We'll have that for free when you call. Get the number written down right now. It's 888 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. Great package of uh, stuff. We're going to cover today. I'm going to talk a lot about Japan's demographics. I'm going to go back into an interview I actually did uh, earlier this year, maybe even towards the end of last year, with Rodney Johnson. Now, Rodney, a lot of people don't know, is 
actually the president of HS Dent Enterprises. If you've heard of Harry Dent on the radio, and I think we've got at least one clip from an interview I did with Harry Dent, but if you've heard of him on the radio, it's a large HS Dent research, does global economic research uh, and publishes on a massive scale. And he's always on one of the talking heads on the national talk shows. Ronnie is actually the president of it and runs the operation and is uh, just as a pearl of, of an economist as Harry. But Harry's been out in the limelight. They let Harry continue to be that in the limelight. But I sat down with Ronnie, had a great conversation about Japan's demographics a while ago and what they foretell of the United States. Because the baby boom generation is 80 million people of 300 million in this country. It is like a football going through a garden hose. And what that demographic does in terms of consumption is a key, key consideration to the health of our economy. Consumption in, a Western, eco- in Western economies, particularly in the United States, is generally about 70% of gross domestic product. At least it is in this country. So you've got to look at who are the consumers and what are the consumption trends. And when you have the largest part of the population saying, you know what? Kids are out of the house. I don't want to buy a bunch of stuff on credit. Don't need more soccer games. Don't need more Dodge Caravans. Don't need more VCRs. What I want to do is pay off all my debts and save my money. You have a counter incentive to consumption. And until the next demographic wave comes in, and it is coming by the end of this decade or a little bit after 2022, we will have another wave from what's called the echo boom. But not yet. We're going to have a gully in the middle. And if you're not prepared for that gully, uh, like I said earlier, uh, the these demographic trends will trump what the Fed and, and the money printers are doing to try to keep us out of that trowel in the long run. It'll trump. But hey, I digress. Let's get into the Japan story because I want you to actually get in your gut what it means to have a country with contracting demographics. It's happening on a much larger scale than will ever happen in the United States. But the fact is we get to see there. Don't forget the name of the story today is there is a crystal ball, Japan and China. Japan had a shrinking population begin in the 1990s and has never recovered financially from it. And China, the world global engine, is about to enter upon theirs. And they've built infrastructure for a whole lot of Chinese people that are never going to arrive. 64 million uninhabited apartments in China for babies that ain't going to arrive because don't forget they had a one-baby policy. That's what we're going to try to squeeze in today. I don't know. I talk too much. Let's get into the clip with Rodney Johnson here and uh we asked Ronnie basically, what is the Japan scene over there? You wrote in the HS Dent forecast. This is mm-hmm. an economic guide for effective financial decision making, which I, I want to highly recommend. I read them when they come out. And uh, you just recently published this one, Slowly Bleeding Japan Dry. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm going to just read from the front end of this for a minute because you write in this that the long slowdown in Japan is common knowledge. Their stock market, the Nikkei, peaked at near 40,000 in 1989 and fell to nearly 7,000 from 40,000 over the next 20 years. This index recently crossed 10,000 on the way back up. So we're not even back from 1989. We're at 10,000 as compared to 40,000 in 1989. And as you write, think about that for a minute. The stock market of what was the second largest economy on the planet until passed by China in 2010, fell by 75% during some of the best growth years in world history. While we were buying Nintendo games and Sony devices, and Toyota and Honda were devastating the market share of of other car companies, 
The stock market of this country kept falling, and so did their land. And during the same period, 1990 through now, land prices in Japan, and specifically Tokyo, sank lower year after year after year. In Tokyo, specifically land prices are 65% lower than they were in 1990. Now, obviously, I want to explore any parallels of what's happening in Japan to the United States and the potential in the United States. I want to pick that up in a few minutes in this interview. But just explain to us, if you will, how did this malaise, how did this malaise even come about in Japan? What, what set the scene for this? Well, it, it's the same thing that we had here, uh, just on a different time scale. And let's talk about Japan first. They had a baby boom, like we think of our baby boom. They had a huge group born into their economy. Theirs just occurred leading up to World War II. And so this large group of people went about raising their children, spending their money, growing their own standard of living and spending during the 50s, 60s, 70s, and part of the 80s. And then they peaked in their spending in about 1990, 1992. Now, you've got to kind of back up a second uh, and, and talk about how we see people spending money. We know that people spend in a very predictable way, on average, that increases up to about age 47, 48, and then they start to slow down. And of course, it's based on the family cycle, right? Uh, you tend to have children in the U.S. around 28. As they grow, you spend more money. They peak in their household with you at about 20 years old. You're 48 years old, and then they leave, hopefully. When they leave, you start spending less. It's not that you live badly. It's that you now have that next goal after 50. You're saving for retirement and paying down debts. Well, you can look at that going on in your own life. Think about it happening over a very large group in the population. And this kind of bulge in the Japanese population, raising their kids, growing their spending, happened leading up to 1990, 1992, and then started to trail away. This is as we were seeing in the United States, our own baby boom raising their children, because this baby boom in the United States came along basically from the early 40s through about 1961. And so they have been raising their children from the early 80s through about 2008. The same type of bubble, the same type of spending, separated by roughly 20 years. The Japanese peaked and then started to roll over and contract. It wasn't that they weren't making good products. It wasn't that they couldn't engineer things. My goodness, the Japanese are fabulous engineers. Mm -hmm. It's that their internal population wasn't buying like they did before. And so what they did was they turned around and they sold, as they had for years, to other people. They exported. And that's really what's kept the Japanese even at this level. I mean, it, it sounds weird to say, gee, your land fell by 65%. Be glad it didn't fall further. Your stock market fell 75 80% and then came back a little bit. Be glad it didn't fall further. But that's where they are. They should be thankful it hasn't fallen further because they don't have that next generation coming along to spend money. The Japanese are actually shrinking in their population right now. Okay, now stay tuned because we're going to give you a whole packaging materials on all of this to help you understand what you should be doing about it, how it's going to impact this country. But I want to write into a... Uh, a a clip from uh, Japan Baby Drain by Journeyman Pictures. You can find the entire story on YouTube. This is, uh, I'm going to take you inside Japan through this incredible reporting to actually show you what it's like in a country that has 1.4 babies per couple. And I want you to think in your mind, how do you grow an economy when the landscape looks as follows? It's 7 a.m. in the mountain village of Namuku, announced with typical Japanese eccentricity by the town alarm clock. Seven-year-old Yusuke Aiwa and his brother and sister are off to school. Namuku Elementary School dwarfs the houses around it. There used to be over 1,200 students here. Now there are only 37. Yusuke is in first grade. He's been top of his class all year. 
But there's a simple reason for that. He's the only pupil. It's only at recess and lunch that Yusuke gets to play with his friends. For how much longer is unclear. With the entire population of the town slipping away, the future of the school is hanging in the balance. What is the reason for that big decrease? Every year, fewer babies are being born, and more and more young people are leaving. Hundreds of homes and businesses are boarded up or abandoned. Left behind are the elderly. More than half of the population is over the age of 65. In bustling Tokyo, there's little sense of the impending crisis. But some experts warn that within a millennium, the Japanese people themselves could be extinct. Why aren't Japanese having more babies? Today, more than half of Japanese women are still single by the time they're 30. Karu Arai is a professional harpist. She epitomizes the country's new breed of successful and financially independent women who are putting Korea first and postponing marriage and motherhood. Did you always think that, that, that marriage and children was a certainty? Yes, I've always thought that uh, I would be a mom, you know, and I would have a family, just like my parents. And, so and, now? and I don't know, all of a sudden I'm 32. <laughs> and just hasn't happened yet. She says she worries that a potential husband won't earn as much as she does and won't accept her work schedule that includes evenings and weekends. But you're picky. But I'm picky. <laughs> yes, I want it all. I've waited this long, I want the right person. <laughs> and you want to be a successful harpist? Yes. Yes. I want my cake and need it too. In a desperate move to pull the birth rate back from the brink, the Japanese government is offering cash incentives to encourage singles like Kuru to partner up and procreate. Do you ever worry that Japan might not be around in a yeah. thousand years? Not even a thousand years. I think I've read somewhere that we're going down in like a hundred, you know, where we're going to be extinct. <laughs> because no one's having babies. Exactly, no one's having babies. And um, I've heard, I don't know if you've heard the term, but there's this new word in Japan called soshokuke danshi, which means herbivoric men. And the men aren't as hungry for success or for... Um, relationships. Relationships, yeah as they were before. Japanese men aren't interested in having sex? Nope. At least, um, that's what I hear. <laughs> so it's not just down to women, it's, it's men have got to do their bit yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. They need, they need to be, you know, more confident. They need to stop shaping their eyebrows. And, you know, they have to start looking more like men. Now, look, I'm not here to speculate about a country's sexual uh, uh, libido and, and all of that. It, it, but what we are just looking at is the fact that when children decrease in a population, it has a tremendous effect on uh, the growth of that economy. Now, we'll come back to a second clip in just a minute where they actually talk about that. I mean, look at these stats. OK, so half of Japanese women are single at age 30. Half. Half the population of women are single. I mean, guys, young guys, get over there. Um, you know, and, and you're going to hear in a minute that in a few short years, 
the other half of the entire population will be age 65 or over. Now, it's much bigger in its drama than what we have here in the States, but we are headed in the same direction. Now, if, you, if you've heard this show before, you know we talk about Keynesian versus Austrian economics. If you invest into a demographic that you think will grow forever, but it's going to shrink, you're going to get hurt. The idea in Keynesian economics is that during these downturns in economies, governments should borrow money and actually stimulate the economy by spending the money and somehow creating a false surge in the economy where eventually it will take over by sheer confidence and animal spirits and everything will grow, even though the population shrinking. Personally, I think it's a hunk of bull. But the problem is we're running on that right now. That is what our government's thinking. That is what Central Europe's thinking. What happens is when people leverage into a boom and they miscalculate and you've got malinvestment, the only way it gets fixed is to leverage back out. And people get hurt very badly in that that causes depressions. But you come out the other side without all the debt still intact. We still have this debt intact. The idea here is we will just, the government will just absorb the debt. The government will absorb the debt. There's too much gravity for the government to absorb. Now, what does this mean to you? Now, I hope we can even get to the China bubble because that is like even a much bigger picture. This one is the precursor. China is what is coming to China. It's tremendous. Tell you about it in a minute. But what I want to understand is the problem is that risk in the market has been very intentionally hidden from you, the average boomer IRA 401k brokerage house investor. There is inherent economic gravity in the global economy today that has been held back from you by an almost obscene manipulation of public and private credit and debt. And we are living on borrowed time with free money from nothing that will ever get paid back because the demographics aren't there to pay it back. It's been camouflaged from you by the appearances of these strong economies like China that are really just slave-driving central governments like China that think that they can manipulate populations forever and suppress their mistaken outcomes with armies and guns when it all blows up. And I'm not exaggerated. You know, we're going to cover an article in the Wall Street Journal. In fact, we're giving it out today when you call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578, called China's Coming Slowdown. I will try to get to it, read some excerpts. Shocking. If I can't get to it this week, we'll get to it next week. But we're going to give that article out when you call 888-882-5578. The point is the shrinking global demographics will trump central bank manipulation somewhere in the not so long run. We have spent $2 trillion, actually printed it from whole cloth, and we've received 2% paltry growth. Just think of what our growth would be like. Think about that gravity in the economy if we had not printed $2 trillion to try and reinflate it back up. And the economy still wants to falter every time they slow down the money printing. It is because the global economy needs to deleverage from those demographic reversals. And the global bankers and the central governments think that they can just turn a dial on a thermostat and heat back up economies with fuel that is all borrowed fuel. But in the end, it just sets the next bubble burst to be 10 times bigger. And the experts that are laying this out all agree it happens well before the end of this decade. And that just so happens to be the time, as I mentioned earlier, in which the greatest demographic retirement trend in the history of the world is taking place and that is you baby boomers right in the face of your retirement now what's the solution first of all there is no magic pill and for those 
you know, I, I get people that want a magic pill. They don't want to study. They don't want to learn. They don't want to read. They just want to be told what to do. Well, listen, turn the dial. Go listen to some rock and roll or some pop music. Because for those who cannot or will not take the time to read, listen, and learn about what people are suggesting, and I don't mean just some hyped up one-size-fits-all solution for the masses, but a real study of the subject, then I guess maybe you don't have enough to lose to devote some of your TV time to your future economic survival. And I don't mean to be demeaning, but we're giving away a good body of materials today uh, and and it that's what you need to be doing first is studying up on the subject. But we're going to help those people today that think this is important. We're going to give you a place to start with a package of goods to help you understand the problem and the solutions. And we're giving it out for no charge and no obligation. If you call by the end of this show, one, you're going to get my free report, 40 pages illustrated so a high school sophomore can understand it. It's called Inflation or Deflation. America's Monetary System in Crisis, and how to plan for it. And in this report, I give you a strategy to manage both concerns in a portfolio at the same time, inflation and deflation, so you can be prepared for either in a portfolio. And we talk extensively about the causes of these things, how the scenarios are different, who are the winners, and who are the losers. I'm also going to include, when you call the number, a book from national best-selling author Patrick Kelly from Rubicon Publishers. It is called Stress-Free Retirement. I'm going to try to read from it uh, by the end of this show. Outstanding book on how to avoid some of these pitfalls that are on the way. I'm going to give you Harry Dent's uh, report called Eight Ways for Businesses to Beat the Winter Season. And I will also give you the Wall Street Journal reprinted article called China's Coming Slowdown. That is $55 to $60 of goods because we want want you to decide for yourself if we can help you prepare, protect, and prosper in the coming decade of still a lot more change in America. Yes, we do financial services. Yes, by getting you to read this stuff, the light may go on that we know something about it. We can help you, but you're not obligated to do anything except call the number, get the package, and we're spending 60 bucks per person calling in today to give you those materials at 888 That's 888-8-TALK-STRAIGHT. Okay, I have to skip the clip on the aging part of Japan, but uh, you know what? We'll figure out a way to get this whole reference to you. You can watch it on YouTube. Hey, listen, so what you need to understand that most people do not have their wits wrapped around is when you have these shrinking demographics, the gravity in the economy is a deflationary gravity. We have all been worried about inflation because... Obviously, if the Fed's going to print $2 trillion, we're worried he's going to water down the money supply. But do you realize that the implosion of the economy in just America alone is about a $20 trillion deleveraging implosion that's trying to happen? That is why I tell you that it trumps and outweighs what the Fed's going to do. And the question is whether the Fed is going to print $20 trillion and buy every bad debt in the house. Or at some point, these bad debts will affect your pension funds. They will affect credit uh, liquidity in this country, and they will affect people's jobs. I talked with Rodney Johnson and I asked Rodney to give us a little concept here of what deflation really looks like and who are the winners and losers and all of that, because that is the scene in Japan. And that is also, by the way, why it's so important that you order my report, Inflation, Deflation, America's Monetary System Crisis. Because if you think you know what to invest in for inflation, which everybody does these days, go get gold or real estate, what would you invest in if we had deflation? What would be the right investment? 
The answer's in the report. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. Here's Rodney. Okay, let's go back to Japan. Mm-hmm. Because it, cause I, I think in this country still, and, and with so many of the people we speak to, uh, everyone has the idea of what inflation looks like because it wasn't so long ago we saw dramatic – in our lives, we've seen hyperinflation or dramatic inflation. Right. But we haven't since our parents' generation seen deflation. When you talk about Japan, it is a deflationary story, and I don't think generally the public has their wits wrapped around that extremely well. So you write in here, imagine living in an economy where the government worries year after year about prices – falling too much. Well, Ronnie, what's wrong with that? Why isn't that just good news? And tell me, what happens to John Q. Public in that deflationary scenario that is so threatening to him? Well, there's uh, the interesting part about inflation or deflation is people rarely talk about both sides of the coin. Uh, The coin is the difference between what comes into your budget and what goes out. And we always talk about what goes out, what you have to spend. Inflation means I have to spend more for stuff. And people don't shake their head very much. They're like, yeah, that sounds like a bad idea. Deflation means that you spend less for stuff. And everybody goes, yeah, that's a really good idea. Well, think about the other side of the coin. In inflation, it's supposed to be that prices are going up, but so are wages. In deflation, prices are going down, so are wages. When you look at Japan, what's going on there is they have had deflation for many of the last 20 years. Not every single year. I want to say at least eight or nine. I didn't count those up. They had a stretch from 97 to 2003. It Prices fell every single year. And I don't mean they fell by 1% and remained low. I mean they kept falling year after year. Mm-hmm. What that means is a company is selling a product. The product is not selling for the same price it was yesterday. It sells for less. The company has less income. That means the company turns around and looks at its costs and says something's got to give. And that something is wages. So they turn to their workers and say, we're going to pay you less. The worker has less money to buy the products of the same company So it sells less, and it turns into what's called the vicious cycle, where lower prices beget lower profits for companies or even losses, which means lower pay for workers, which means they can't pay the prices and they go down even more. That type of scenario is what scares central bankers, because once you have pushed interest rates to zero, which is the common approach of central banks, Mm -hmm. there is no other mechanism for moving an economy. And that's where you lead to what we see today. You lead to central banks printing money, literally printing money out of thin air, hoping that prices will rise so that they can convince people, convince spenders, guess what? If you wait to buy, prices will go up. So you'd better go buy right now. Therefore, you're going to get a lower price. And what they're trying to do is fuel spending by printing dollars out of thin air, forcing prices up. And so uh, that's what Japan has been struggling with for many years because their population's not responding. Why not? Because guess what? One in four, 25% are over 65 years old. They don't need more stuff. They just don't want to outlive their money. So think about what they've done in Japan. They've done what every other Western country has done, which is when they have these demographic downturns and they're, they shrink, they they try to, first of all, sell to other countries. So Japan's been trying to sell to other countries, but guess what? The rest of the Western culture is also on a shrinking demand. So there's nowhere to go. So what do they do? They print money. They try to stimulate economies, but stimulating it into what? Where does that stop? And that's the question we need to ask in this country, because the more they do that, see, here's the problem is that the risk in the market, I'm telling you, has been very intentionally hidden from you. There will be a day of reckoning this decade. There is inherent economic gravity in the economy today that's been held back to you by this obscene manipulation of private and public credit and debt. And we're living on borrowed time with free money from nothing that will ever get paid back. 
Now, before I'm out of here today, I'm going to try to read you a little excerpt from Stress-Free Retirement, which is a great book that goes into a lot of personal planning solutions. My report on America's monetary system in crisis has a lot of personal planning solutions. But the bottom line is some of the things that we specialize at Straight Talk Wealth Advisors, for example, our worst decade in one of our strategies was the decade from 20. From 2000 to 2010, that included two bubbles. That was our worst performance on one of our funds, which is guaranteed against loss. And when the market was flat during that 10-year period, we were making 6.41% compounded year after year. If you put those two graphs next to each other, there, it's tremendous. Now, it's not guaranteed that you'll make that. That happens to be the worst performance over a 10-year period that that particular strategy has done. But one thing about going into that strategy, it's guaranteed you cannot lose your money. So if you look at that period, it's a great contrast. Why? Because it's purposefully looking at these risks. If you're not having this kind of talk with your broker, you're missing a huge piece of risk in your life. Turn the channel if you think everything's fine and and uh, the government's made it all better. The government always will. And all we need to do is print more money and everything will be fine. But what you're going to hear about on the show today is what you haven't been told. And I'm telling you, the great risk is somewhere in this decade, the bubble that bursts after all the stimulus will be 10 times worse than the bubble that burst before. You want to know what to do about it, how to protect yourself? Get the package of materials from us. America's Monetary System in Crisis, Stress-Free Retirement, the Wall Street Journal article on China's sl- coming slowdown, and the article from Harry Dent on eight ways to eight business strategies for the winter economy, 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. That's 888-882-5578. You get a lot of free goodies. We don't do this every week. Here's more Rodney Johnson on winners and losers. So, Ronnie, if this floor falls out and the, and the government and finally runs out of steam, runs out of bullets and arrows in its quiver to simply keep pumping crack cocaine into the economy, <laughs> who are going to be the losers and who are going to, on a personal level, on the baby boom generation that's approaching retirement, trying to look at their preparedness, who are going to be the losers and who are going to be the winners in this change that's inevitably supposed to come? Well, and, and let's start with, I would love to see this happen, not because anybody's forced or has an economic gun to their head or, you know, anything other horrific happens mm-hmm. to bring it on. I would love to see this happen because we as a nation choose to say, wait a second, we took on too much debt. We, we got into this position through some, you know, some failed responsibility or irresponsibility. Let's be more responsible to ourselves, to our future generations, and choose this path of deleveraging, which causes deflation for the next several years so that we're in a better place. Um, if we do that, for whatever reason, if we get to this deleveraging, lowering of credit, lowering of debt, and deflationary uh, trend for a while, then the people who lose are people who have huge debts. Because what tends to happen, remember the coin, prices and income. If prices are going down, incomes are typically going down, which they are right now, by the way. Incomes are going down. And if your income's falling, but your debts remain the same, you're in a worse position every day. That's mm-hmm. a very bad place to be. Uh, the other group that tends to lose uh, would be a group that has invested for growth assets, meaning you're in growth stocks. You're in uh, commodities that you would think are going to run up in prices. We have uh, high inflation, not hyperinflation, but high inflation, which would be oil, grains, gold, things like that. And so if we have deflation, as we think we will, and we certainly think we should, then you will see those types of things, equities, particularly growth equities and commodities, fall in value because there are fewer dollars in the system. Them, and people who hold them, hoping that they're going to you know, plug the hole in their retirement account, they're going to get hurt. Who's going to be the winners? 
And, 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 and I know that streams of income play into this. So uh, uh, in view of the fact that I'm asking you a question I know the answer to, <laughs> tell me more about that answer and tell me why, why you, in so many of your publications, keep stressing having a stream of income during a deflationary period. Right. I, I, and, and we talked about it a little while ago. Um, streams of income, I, we put it in those general terms because people, you know, they, they come to streams of income in different ways. Some people will go buy, you know, rental houses. Well, they're going to pay rent every month. Some people are going to buy bonds. And, and receive the, the interest payment or coupon. Some people are going to buy you know, insurance contracts or other products that, that pay a steady stream of income. And what they're doing is handing off the risk of the growth of the payment to a larger company. Um, we talk about streams of income being the, the best place uh, for people who are nearing retirement or in retirement because, one, you do want to give away that risk. If you look across the uh, economic or financial landscape and you come to the conclusion, like we have, that central banks have been driving this, then the minute they stop driving the whole thing stops. Mm -hmm. And so where are you going to go? Where are you going to, you know, reallocate to or reinvest to that is going to help you and how much you're going to lose in the period of transitioning or deciding, gee, this really is the end. And so our view is, look, don't play the game. If you don't have to play the game, don't play. Step aside. Get into something that that is more solid, something that has that stream of income that is paid for a long time that you can rely on for years to come. If we have some inflation instead of what we think of coming as deflation, you're okay. Maybe you don't make a huge amount, but you're still okay because you still have your stream of income. If we have deflation, like we think is going to happen, then you're in a much better position. And so I like my, my odds, my opportunities much better to be in something steady, something's paying, something that's going to give me a, a decent income today and a great income if prices go down around me, and particularly wages go down around me, and I'm not at the sharp end of the stick for whatever a central banker wants to do tomorrow morning. All right. One of the things we're giving away today when you call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. By the way, this is this is Straight Talk Wealth Radio on News Talk 1590 KVTA. We're here every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, this is a book called Stress-Free Retirement, national best-selling author Patrick Kelly. And in this book, he really just shows today's current and potential retiree how to eliminate the pain and hassles of the investment landscape. I want to read you a short excerpt here uh, from the beginning of this called Poker Chip Mentality. Uh, Patrick writes, first time I ever set foot into a casino was in the Bahamas. I was 18 years old and on a post high school graduation trip that was given to me as a gift. I was in awe. Since I'd never been in a casino before, I remember being completely enamored as I watched all the sunburned tourists throw their money away on the green felt. I stood. I wondered. I didn't want to leave. As I weighed my way through the smoke-filled room, my eye was drawn to a young man, likely in his early 30s, playing blackjack one-on-one with a dealer. He was sitting next to an attractive blonde, sporting diamonds the size of golf balls. Now, blackjack was a game I did happen to know, so I stopped. What caught my eye next was the unique color of the chips that towered in front of the man. These were not $25 or $100 chips. They were $1,000 chips. Seriously, $1,000 chips. I did some quick counting and figured out that this guy had about $50,000 worth of chips sitting in front of him. $50,000. I was hooked. As I watched intently, a few things became quickly apparent. One, this guy knew his stuff at a blackjack table. Two, he devoured the attention from the growing crowd. And three, this was all about trying to impress the gal sitting next to him. In the course of five short minutes, not a minute more, this young man built his chip stack from 50000 over 150000 
I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. A $100,000 gain in five minutes. I wanted him to stand up, walk away, cash it all in, call it good, collect his winnings, and go buy himself a bright red Ferrari. But needless to say, he didn't stand up. He didn't cash it in. He didn't walk away. What he did next left me completely flabbergasted. You know what's coming, don't you? He started losing and losing big. And while in the previous five minutes he couldn't lose a hand, now he couldn't win one. And his bets became bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next three minutes, he lost it all. Wow. $150,000 blown in three minutes. Crazy. My 18-year-old brain couldn't comprehend such a thing was even possible. It seemed to me at the time that such activity should be illegal. Outlawed. I guess that's why it is illegal in most parts of the world. I saw at that moment that casinos have a trick, that the game is rigged, not just statistically rigged, but emotionally rigged as well. The real advantage, you see a casino plays by odds, cold, hard, emotionless rules, rules that stack the game in their favor. The gambler, however, plays by emotion, greedy, optimistic emotion, and in the long run, Odds beat emotion for lunch every time. All right, now he goes in and draws an incredible analogy of the fact that when you go into a casino, they actually have to have an odds sheet that they present to you. Your stockbroker, the stock market has no such odds sheet, but it runs on the same sort of air. It runs on the same emotion, greed against the odds. And just very succinct comparisons. That book is part of the first chapter uh, called Poker Chip Mentality. It is in Stress-Free Retirement by Patrick Kelly. We're going to give you that book today when you call 888-882-5578. We're going to give you my report called America's Monetary System in Crisis, Inflation or Deflation. And in this report, I go over the causes of each, how the scenarios are different, how who are the winners and losers. Because let me tell you, if you call that shot wrong, and you bet on one or the other, inflation and deflation, and you called it wrong, you will all your work will be for naught, and you will lose what you've built up. You need to have a strategy that manages both concerns simultaneously in a portfolio. That is included in the report. You can have it for free for no charge and no obligation when you call 888-882-5578. 888 We will also give you the Wall Street Journal article I'm about to read from called China's coming slowdown. Incredible insight into why China is about to hit the brick wall. And you're also going to get a report from Harry Dent on eight ways to save your business or help your business in the economic winter. A great report. It is in all of these reports and the study you must undertake if you're going to be responsible about your finances and your future and prevent loss and and prevent survive and flourish and prosper in the coming decade of change. You need to take the responsibility to study and we're giving you some pre-screened great materials, pre-screened great materials that are worth 60 bucks today, but you got to pick up the phone and call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. And listen, you know, obviously it's $50 of goods because we want you to decide for yourself if we can help you prepare, protect, and prosper in the coming decade of still more change in America. If what you read makes sense, you're going to pick up the phone, you're going to call us, and we're going to get new clients and new business from it. So let's not beat around the bush. That's why we do it for free. But the materials do come, and we like people to get through the materials. I don't like to pick up the phone and have to explain all this to people and have to be asked to sell them something. Sell me. Tell me. What is the thing? What are you selling? What's the thing? What's the bottom line? It's like, read it for 
yourself if it's that important. That's why we give you the materials so you can sit in the privacy of your own home and come to your own decisions and ask yourself, what do you think? So we're going to give you the materials that we believe have the answers to a lot of this risk that is hidden from you in the economy that you're not seeing because the central banks are covering it up and it can't last forever. Shrinking global demographics will trump central bank manipulation in the not so long run somewhere this decade. You want to know how to survive that? Call 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. You must call before the end of the hour when the show goes off because the operators go off the air unless we can do something about it. But right now I don't have that arranged. Now, the funny thing is that I knew I was going to do this show, and then shortly before I did the show, I pick up the Wall Street Journal, and here's an article by Joseph Joffe called uh, China's Coming Economic Slowdown. Now, we're going to give this article away for free. It's a, I can't read it all. I'm going to try to read some excerpts when you call 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. Mr. Joffe writes, the big question, question of the 20th century has not disappeared in the 21st. Who is on the right side of history? Is it liberal democracy? That's us, by the way, with power growing from the bottom up, hedged in by free markets, the rule of law, accountability, and the separation of powers? Or is it despotic centralism in the way of Stalin and Hitler, the most recent, though far less cruel, Variant being the Chinese one, state capitalism plus one-party rule. The demise of communism did not dispatch the big question. It only laid it at rest for a couple of decades. Now the spectacular rise of China and the crisis of the democratic economies, bubbles and busts, overspending and astronomical debt, have disinterred what seemingly seems seemingly safely buried in a graveyard called the end of history when liberal democracy would triumph everywhere. Now the dead have risen from their graves, strutting and crowing. And many in the West are asking, isn't top-down capitalism, as practiced in the past by the Asian dragons of South Korea, Taiwan, Japan, and currently by China, isn't that a better road to riches and global muscle than the muddled, self-stultifying ways of liberal democracy? Now, he gives some stats and figures, and he moves on, and he says, What rises comes down and levels out as countries progress from agriculture and crafts to manufacturing and thence to a service and knowledge economy. In the process, the countryside empties out and no longer provides a seemingly uh, limitless reservoir of cheap labor. As fixed investment rises, its marginal returns, each new unit of capital generates less output than the preceding one. This is one of the oldest laws of economics, the law of diminishing returns. All right. So then he goes on. He's basically just saying, look, you can milk China's evolution from the from the agrarian to the city so far that does have an effect but there comes a point where it only has so much effect and it starts to level out then he does recognize in this demographics and he talks about that if that starts to level out and he says by the way you look japan and he goes back into china says china still has millions of people poised to leave rural poverty behind so don't confuse it with japan whose shrinking and aging population won't be replenished soon by immigration or procreation china's reserve army still has a long way to go nor has this very country 
A very poor country exhausted the classical advantages of state capitalism, such as forced capital accumulation, suppressed consumption, and a cavalier disregard for the environment. All right. Anyway, say the ultimate power, you can get a surge out of ultimate power. But this is the key paragraph. I really enjoyed in this article. But beware the curse of 2015. Despite its rural masses yearning to go urban, China's workforce will start to decline while its legion of grain dependents keeps ballooning. The result of an abysmally low fertility rate, which they were forced to have, don't forget, better health and rising life expectancy. As China gets older, America will become younger thanks to its high rates of birth and immigration. An aging society implies not only a smaller workforce, but also a changing cultural balance between those who seek safety and stability and those who want risk and acquire traits that are invisible are the invisible drivers of an economy. At any rate, China's cost advantage is plummeting. So that is a key part of the story here. If Europe and the United States are waning and we are depending on Asia, namely China, to power us through, we have yet to see that that is also powering down due to demographics. So I want to run this interview real quick we had with Harry Dent, and he talks about how China is going to affect the rest of the world, and we're going to wrap the show up. Hey, Harry, um, a lot of people talk and ask about triggers. How damaged have we maybe already become as a result of this most recent brinkmanship, and how might this further play out into tripping the next trigger and the next trigger? Well, I mean, first of all, this debt ceiling debate and budget debate between the Republicans and Democrats, that's short term. It, it's, it's small stuff. And, and we may cut a little bit of uh, delay Obamacare. We may, the Republicans may get some minor concessions in spending. That's not the problem. We're going to have the next crisis because the, Ch- the great China bubble in real estate, the greatest bubble I have ever seen anywhere for any country across the board in hundreds of years of studying bubble is China. U.S. had a, a real estate and debt bubble, nothing compared to China. Spain had the next, uh, a big bubble, and now Canada and many other countries. But China, China's government has just pushed a mass. I mean, we're talking half a billion people over two or three decades shoved from rural areas to urban areas with no skills. And when the economy slows down and China's exports continue to slow down, and they're already slowing, um, this is going to be a disaster. And when China goes down, China is the second largest economy in the world and the only really fast-growing place in the world. China has helped keep the economy up, just like the U.S. The U.S. was the China from 1914, World War I, through the Roaring Twenties. World War I opened a vacuum for us to export massively uh, agriculture mm-hmm. and industrial goods to Europe while they're fighting the war. And then we became this exporting giant and this foreign exchange um, you know, reserve and, 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 and exporting credit throughout the world economy. And then when that collapsed in the early 30s with our collapse, then the whole world went down. China is the trade supporter of the world, exporting massively, extending credit to all countries, including the United States, $1.3 trillion in reserves they have of us. They've, they've extended us $1.3 trillion in credit in many other countries. When China goes down, the world goes down like the 1930s. That's my scenario, that China is the most important thing it's going to collapse. The real estate bubble is three times the bubble we had in the United States. It's off the charts. It's bigger than any emerging country bubble. China goes down. The world goes down. It just takes, a, like you said, it just takes a trigger. We're all we, Demographic trends are slowing, especially in the developed world. Mm-hmm. Debt is two times plus more than it was um, in, in the 1929 bubble. All it takes is a trigger like the subprime crisis in the U.S. And you know what? 
Bruce, that was four states, California, Nevada, Arizona, Florida, sank the world. You can't sink the world with four states having a subprime crisis unless the whole world is ready to be triggered because of excessive debt and slowing demographic trends. So look, let me tell you who's not at risk. If you have very little saved, or if you're younger, you'll get through this. But the people that are at risk, that are my concern, is my generation. Baby boomers that are 5 to 10 to 15 years before retirement, and they're making plans based on their rebuilt portfolios. I'm here to tell you that this this still coming gravity in the economy that will hit the markets has been very intentionally hidden from you, the average boomer IRA 401k brokerage house investment investor. And, and this would also certainly apply to those that are already retired that have a certain nest egg they're sitting on. I mean, I see this all the time. I see people that are living off their nest egg and yet they're sitting completely at risk because the government has made it all better now. The markets are fine. Corporate profits are up. And you're not being told this story. Where would corporate profits be? Where would the markets be? The only people that have benefited from all this money printing has been stock market owners. The economy sags every time the money printing stops and there will be a day of reckoning once this gets away from the central bankers. I will prove that fact to you when you read my report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis, and more importantly, how to plan for it. How to plan for both inflation and deflation because we're going to roll both ways in a single portfolio. Just stop and, you know, just ask yourself, if we have hyperinflation, where should you be? And most of you intelligent investors out there will come up with an answer. But let me think about this long and hard. Think about this answer. If we have deflation, a 1930s-style deflation, stock market loses 70% like Japan, real estate falls out, commodities lose their value, where should you be? And if you're thinking cash, think again, because what happens to banks in a deflationary crash. Where would our banking system have been with your money if they hadn't come up immediately with $800 billion of TARP and all the money that's been pushed in by the Federal Reserve? Can they do that trick again? If we lose steam and it falls away, do we do we get away with that again? The bottom line is you need to be prepared. And, and it just, my, my point is there's no magic pill. And those that cannot or will not take time to read and listen and learn about what people are suggesting, and I don't mean, like I say, some hyped up one-size-fits-all solution, but a real study of the subject, then I guess you probably don't have enough to lose to devote some TV time to actually doing some study about your own future economic survival. And you know what? That's okay, too. But we're going to help those people today that think this is important. We're going to give you a place to start with a package of goods to help you understand the problem and the solutions that are out there. And we're giving it out for no charge and no obligation. you got about five minutes to make the call to 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. You will get my free report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. You will get a book from national best-selling author Patrick Kelly from Rubicon Publishers called Stress-Free Retirement. You heard me read from it earlier. It is a brilliant book on how to beat these guys at their own game in your retirement. And it completely follows the whole thing that Rodney Johnson told you earlier about who are going to be the winners, who are going to be the losers, 
losers? How do you guarantee a stream of income when prices are falling, jobs are falling out? How can you guarantee that you still have an income coming in no matter what? You're going to Harry Dent's eight ways for businesses to beat the winter season, and you're going to get the Wall Street Journal reprinted article that we paid good money to get the rights to reprint called China's Coming Slowdown. It fell so in love with the article, I had to go buy it for all of you guys. That is about $60 worth of goods because we want you to decide for yourself if we can help you prepare, protect, and prosper in the coming decade of still more change in America. And you'll get all of that by calling 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. That's 888-8-TALK-STRAIGHT. Okay, we will get you on our list. There's some more goodies we have. We've got a whole library of stuff. We've got some great free services that we do here at Straight Talk Wealth Radio. But come on in, be a member, get get uh, get some materials from us, get on our mailing list and hear more from us. Hey, future shows coming up. I'm going to talk more about this China bubble. I really couldn't tap on it right now. Just as we took you inside Japan this week, we're going to take you inside China. We're going to show you these ghost cities. We're going to show you and get really immerse you in where the 64 million uninhabited apartments are and what it feels like in China to see all this infrastructure built for nobody showing up. Get past the veneer. Get past what you've been convinced is uh, all government made it all better. Get the truth. 888 882 5578. See you next week on Straight Talk Wealth Radio.